0: The number one financial destination, Yahoo Finance.com.
1: When do we decide to get good? And when do we decide to get out of here? That is the topic today. It's like to be or not to be on episode 173 (laughs) of Waypoint Radio. I'm Danielle Riendo, and joining me today are Rob Zachney. Hey, everybody. Natalie Watson. Hi, hi. And Cotto, social editor extraordinaire Cotto. Hi, y'all. All All right, so we've got a a good topic today. Natalie, this one was uh, very much inspired by you and your adventures with both Big Boy and... What is the protagonist of Hollow Knight? Little it's like boy. A
2: little, rabbit? little boy. Lil, little, little bug. bug. It's little a bug. bug. My bunny. my wife said the is same thing. Rabbit? My wife was like it's a that's a rabbit. I'm like no that's a bug. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cute little bug.
1: A little bug? Little bug. Yeah, uh, big little boy bug. and little bug. Yeah. Uh so do you want to talk us through a little bit of your reasoning here uh in terms of it seems like you kind of have a dichotomy of a game that you're pushing through and you want to get good and you have a game that is just, just ugh it's a drag, right?
3: Now. Yeah. So I guess with with Hollow Knight is kind of the one that I'm more strategizing to get good at. That's the one that I've been... I guess I should start with Bloodborne is the one I'm beginning to fall off, fall off of. Um, <laughs> sure. Because I think the game is just so incredibly long (laughs) and um the way in which i've been playing it which is like in these like short like two hour bursts uh every week it requires that's the kind of game where you actually need like warm-up time to like get in like physically get into the like the the muscle memory of of playing that game and being like well prepared to like react and and move forward and be aggressive and be defensive and all those kinds of things and so one of the things that makes this a little complicated is the format in which I play like I just said and then also the whole playing this game blind which is to say that I haven't looked at any you know guides i'm not looking at you know how to beat how to strategize against certain bosses how to prepare myself for certain areas like where i'm not looking up like you know where's the best place to farm vials like all of my information i get from my coaches who danielle <laughs> and austin have very different methods of teaching and You're Danielle are telling you
1: opposite shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. i'm sure that's very helpful
3: It's you know it's actually it's fun. Um, It's it's a good time and it's but I think just the it's beginning to feel like a slog and it's beginning to feel like oh I have this obligation to you know finish this game in a way that will take me a very long time to finish this game and just seeing kind of no light at the end of the tunnel has. Made me kind of, uh, I don't know, I'm like, am I, I like walk in and I'm like, am I ready to do Bloodborne today? Because I know that like any progress I make today is only like an inch in the 24 mile marathon that is left (laughs) in Bloodborne. But with Hollow Knight, on the other hand, I, for the first like 30 hours, so up until, like, the last sort of bit, and I won't spoil anything, but up until, like, the last sort of bit of the game, I haven't looked at any sort of guides at all um, and have really just taken upon myself to learn learn it myself. And I have one friend who's playing at the same time, and so sometimes I've, like, asked him for advice, but he's very hesitant to give me any spoilers, so he doesn't really help very much. <laughs> oh. Um but so in the last sort of bit I've begun to I have like three three main bosses left. A couple are optional and a couple aren't. Um and I've begun to look at, you know, tips for defeating these bosses, looking at like charm builds that different people have tried because after like 10 or 15 times of trying to beat the same enemy the same boss and you're seeing the movesets and you know them and you're just still hitting that wall and you're still like not getting it I'm I've like looked to the internet for for help and I'm a little bit more optimistic about Hollow Knight because I have like sort of like people to confer with on the internet and also because I know I don't have that much left. Like I know I'm really close <laughs> to the done. end. Yeah. I'm almost done. I've I basically I could go beat the game if I wanted to. Um. So the two like two of the bosses that I'm focusing on are completely optional, and the last boss I just it, I haven't gone and done because I want to beat these two optional bosses first because I want to like hundred and six percent the game or whatever it is. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like I wish I could have that in Bloodborne. Like I wish. I just want to sit down for like eight hours and just play as much as I can so I can like reignite some sort of like fire inside me to like <laughs> get through the end of this game or not even the end, the second half. Um, yeah. But yeah, those have been my like two sort of places I'm at right now with hard games.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because those are, you know, there's obviously some design philosophies that uh, are are concurrent there in in both of those games. Like Hollow Knight, definitely has a little a little touch of the Souls like structure, of course. Yeah, in for the, sure. In the sort of currency system and and all that, but I, even though I've only played a little of it and it was a year ago. <laughs> I have very fond memories of playing Yeah, Whereas it's a fantastic Bloodborne, game. I definitely like I hit that wall with Bloodborne and I pushed through I think mostly because of how fucking weird Bloodborne is honestly right. like it's where I finished Bloodborne and didn't finish Dark Souls 3 uh is just because instead of just sort of high fantasy stuff it goes all the way into well, you're starting to see it now. Yeah, I'm it's starting a to see it <laughs> so, yeah, It's a weird game. It's Amy. very weird. And I just like, I just need to see the weirdness through.
3: Yeah, um, it- that's, that's helped, definitely. Having this sort of new lore, like, revelation come through has definitely helped a little <laughs> bit. And... I want to go find that lore, but I just know that it's going to be so hard to find it.
4: And, I <laughs> yeah, and this want is where Austin
1: and I it's differ so much, because I think that game is actually unfair sometimes. I think Bloodborne trolls you. Uh, mm, and I think the yeah, Souls games mm. troll you. And I think there are things that are, like, borderline unfair, even though this is, he can't. You know, he's not here today. He's not Austin's here He's taking us you know. summer Friday. He's not here to defend Bloodborne or Bloodborne's honor or whatever. I'm just like, no, there are times in that game where it just feels very unfair, as if you had an understanding of the rules and the game is like, Nope. And it, you know, burns out a cigarette on your arm kind of thing. And it's like, Oh, this is the the mean teacher and I'm just like, I don't need the mean teacher in my yeah. life with this game. I, I need a teacher who will like Teaching be moment. tough but fair. <laughs> That's what I signed up for. Not mean. Uh but yeah. It d- yes. Anyway, it <laughs> sounded like you uh had some thoughts about the original sort of version of XCOM 2 and yeah. you had a little bit of this tension with it.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Um so yeah, something interesting I was learning while Nat- Natalie was talking was the um this idea of like different time scales having an effect on how you feel about the game because like you only have short chunks to play it in. Um The timescale problem that I think XCOM 2 had originally, and also a design problem, is that, like, for me, learning new things and, like, making it to the end of a run, so to speak, was too—it took too long for me to be able to reapply the things I learned from failing, and that was the thing that, like, never really allowed me to get all the way through one of those campaigns was because there's so much new information when you just start out. There's so many, like, small, intricate, like, oh, I didn't know that mutons countered melee attacks, and so I send my ranger in there, and I lose my best ranger to one stupid attack by a mechanic that I couldn't oh. have known because there's no way, like, the game does not, you know, uh, surface these things at all, basically. Or, like, very, very, in, like, a, not a very... um. And not an easy way to, like, find if you're just playing the game for the first time. But then it takes so long for that one point of failure to turn into the campaign is over that oftentimes you don't, especially when you're new to a game like XCOM, you don't know that, oh, I should probably restart and, like, it ended up dragging, right? It ends up taking way too long for me to be like, okay, this campaign is finally over and I should start and, like, start reapplying some of this knowledge I've gained. And so I would end up, like, trying, like, three campaigns before I was like, okay, I just don't understand. And what was interesting was I restarted with, um, ra- um what is it called? War of the Chosen, the mm-hmm. expansion. Mm-hmm. And, um, this time... By this point, I was streaming regularly. So what I was doing was streaming War of the Chosen a bit after it had already come out because I couldn't afford it right at launch or whatever. And what happened was there were enough interested people watching me stream regularly that all of those little nuances were just being thrown out in chat. And I've been keeping on with that campaign a lot longer than I've ever kept on with any XCOM campaign. So just like, it's like this thing that I don't know... I'm sure there's better ways that XCOM could surface some of that information, but just, like, again, kind of like what Natalie was saying, just having certain amounts of information being given to you that, like, make the whole experience just, like, a little, that much easier. Like, it's, like, there's a difference between the challenge of, um, you know, figuring out a puzzle game when you know all the rules and, like, the challenge of not knowing all of the like rules of the game as you're going into one of those missions, right? Um
4: Well, and especially like with with XCOM two, it I think still to this day that's a game that expects you to save scum a little bit through that right. campaign. Sure. Uh, but there's a couple things. And yet things, there's like- Iron Man. Yeah, which is uh, this huge bait and switch because like it's, right. it's a little bit of the like souls discourse, a little bit the, the chest thumping. Like, well, this is the real way to play. No, it fucking yeah. isn't. No. Like XCOM, <laughs> like XCOM Two, especially at launch, had really jagged difficulty spikes and had a lot of like death spiral mechanics. And so the reason right. I bounced off that game hard is because I was still fundamentally trying to play that game. Fairly, As if, like, okay, if we have middling outcomes, we'll still play from there and continue forward. And the truth is, like, especially at launch, no, you don't. Like, if you had a mission with two soldiers get killed, you know, early on, you can't actually make good progress without those. You need those veterans, especially early on. Uh, And so your campaign is on its last legs, but you don't know it in the vanilla version and yeah. it has a really shitty sort of death spiral mechanic where you're just struggling to keep up but the campaign keeps throwing like incre- like it continues escalating the difficulty at certain points regardless right. of where you are at um, yep. <laughs> and so it isn't until like I basically gave up on that game uh, because I was just getting so miserable, like realizing that oh, I've been fucked for like six missions. Uh, right. And there's no right. There's, there's no way back into and, it. And like
2: a mission takes like an hour at least. You know, like that's six hours that like if you had known you could have restarted. And there's no right? structural it value like to so that. much. Right.
4: Like it, it's like, like <laughs> well, I thought I, I thought I did okay on that mission, but now you're telling right. me that actually I need to be perfect. And if that's the standard, then why did you let me continue? Like why are you sort of throwing out this? Well, really, you know. Iron Man's where the, where the real game is. And so you're, you're encouraging players to be like, all right, yeah, I'll tough it out. I'll, you know, it'll probably be more fun if I'm not always in optimal situations. And right. by the time the game teaches you that you fucked up... You are so it's like a it's like a pet almost like you are so removed from the moment you committed the infraction that like the game is basically yelling at you about something that happened like three days ago. You know what I mean? Right. It's like man, and I, you don't, I have don't have that no, memory anymore. know, like <laughs> oh, look, I don't even know. I don't even remember what how my sniper died. I'm sorry, I didn't know I needed a sniper right now. But right, yeah, that was an infuriating yeah. thing. I think War of the Chosen. Fixes a lot of that. It creates a more structured campaign. Uh, but I'll tell you, like right now, streaming XCOM is so different right. just because there are so many people who've done the work of figuring out what the fuck that game is trying to tell you with its attractive but inscrutable AI—not uh, AI, UI. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Austin and I still don't always know what the hell is going on. <laughs>
1: So that's a really good point about streaming because that has helped me a lot in the past in terms of difficult games and not getting too angry and too into my death spiral. I've I've talked about this a little bit on Idle Weekend where I when I have a difficult game and I'm having a tough time, I go into like a death spiral of negativity where I'm like, Mm -hmm. why am I not learning a language? right now why am i not making a game why am i not saving lives like i get into this incredibly negative headspace where it's like instead of playing this stupid game i should be doing something else with my time and yet also i'm feeling so negative about it so clearly i do care so it's like this whole kind of hilarious <laughs> yeah. thing uh but yeah streaming helps a lot with that because it's sort of like the performative aspect of it means part of your brain is going towards not appearing to be a very angry baby Uh yeah and other, definitely and other things like that right um, and part of it is actually people are helpful in a chat. If you have a nice chat of nice people who, you know, are, are not trolls, they'll give you good advice. And they'll maybe actually have tips, just like you were saying, Rob, about, you know, XCOM 2. And like, actually, like, no, somebody's gone ahead and done the work here. Somebody's blazed that trail. Uh, and this yeah, ties, definitely. of course, into uh, a topic that we covered last time, but Natalie and Kato weren't on the podcast last time. So... If either of you have strategies, it it seemed like a really good question and and a natural sort of tie-in here. If you two have strategies uh, for when games get really difficult and really annoying uh, to sort of stay calm and you feel like this is a game that's actually worth learning, like you're saying, Natalie, about Hollow Knight, and going for it.
3: Yeah, I would say that I tried... Well, I was listening to that podcast because I was (laughs) producing it, and I tried Austin's (laughs) strategy the other day of just... Picking up another game and then, like, moving back to the one you're playing. And I made the mistake oh, of no. picking up another extremely difficult game. Right. <laughs> no! <laughs> um, I picked up another Souls-like that has, like, just come into my field of view. And I was like, oh, I'll give this a try. And died to the first boss, like, instantaneously. And I was just like, uh, I need something else. So...
1: Was this Salt and Sanctuary?
3: It was Salt and Sanctuary.
4: Okay. <laughs> and
1: gotcha.
3: I like didn't know what I was doing. I also like, I was like, looked up a couple guides for like starting that game and I was like, oh, I'll be a popper. Who cares? I'm just going to try this. It seems chill. And, um, was just didn't know like the mechanics yet. And, I, like, did some decent damage on that first boss, and I almost got through. But after I died the second time, I was like, this is not good for my brain. I am not. Mm. Taking a break (laughs) from a hard game with another hard game (laughs) with another hard game is not okay. (laughs) This is not not the way the things should go. So um, I recently picked up—so I decided to employ that strategy in another way, which is uh, I picked up a different game again— uh stardew valley which was a game that i put like over a 100 hours into on pc when it first came out um it's a game that like really helped me out through some hard times and so i like started playing that again and that has been giving my brain such a nice break from i think that i feel (laughs) i actually feel more refreshed when i come back to like hollow knight and when i yeah,
4: <laughs> It's my little massage gesture, like my brain. Yeah, i thinking, yeah, Just like massage gestures just for the like, brain. It's <laughs>
3: like, find a boyfriend. It's mine. <laughs> go fates some monsters. Unlike real life, go right? Go fishing, you know? Your it's labor just...
4: will always be rewarded with productive <laughs> output. Like, uh, guess what? Unlike uh, every plant you've tried to keep alive in your house, your garden's going to flourish. Exactly. It's just, it's just water and just sunlight. Will. That's all it takes.
3: That's all it takes. And a little love, you know? <laughs> and so that's been really helpful for just restoring my faith in my ability to play games um, because uh, just being able to – that that like you just said, like that instant gratification, that instant reward for like the labor that I'm putting into this game just makes me feel so much better after, <laughs> after being beat down yeah. repeatedly by all these other games that I'm just a masochist apparently. With. <laughs> so I don't know. Kato, do you have
1: Kato, any? Kato, how about you? Yeah. Do
2: um, you have any strategies? Well, see, here's the thing with me: I'm, I would call myself an optimist in such such a way that, like, I will get tired before I get angry, and so it's oh, less okay. like it's more like an exhaustion thing. Like, the, I just can't do this again. So, like, oftentimes the the answer for me is just like I'm just like not. I'm gonna go... I'm just gonna, like, not... I'm done with this. Usually, the way that my timing... My, like, game time works out in my day... Is that it's a set amount of time, too. Like, I only have, like... Two hours each night that, like... I've, pl- I've like, planned out ahead of time... Because I need to structure... All of my hours very specifically... Because I have, uh... Enough ADD that I need, like... Structure in my life to, like... Keep me from forgetting to do things. Um... So it ends up being, like, I know that I'll be done with this frustrating, like, slightly frustrating thing in, like, 45 minutes, and it'll be fine. I'll just, like, push through till then. And then, like, I'll go to sleep. Because I usually game right before I go to sleep.
4: <laughs> I'm sitting here just in awe of the immaturity, like, shown <laughs> in that. I'm like, yeah. wow, you, so you just, you just get tired of something and you walk away from it. Right. Yeah, you're too yeah. angry? <laughs> and, like, you, like, have schedules that you, like keep for yourself I,
2: here's the thing i need editor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah that's that's how i run my life i guess
1: <laughs> that's You'd... really good yeah. <laughs> i should learn from that it's it's
2: really it's like 60 percent my wife's fault like we've been together <laughs> for like 12 years and like it's all been a long time of like hey you you get really distracted really easily. You need structure in your life in order to function, maybe. Like, here's how here's some, like, tips, you know? Writing things down, making lists, like, having specific times when you're doing specific things.
1: Wow. And
3: so, like, Couldn't be me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do that to some degree, but I don't do it with games. And, like, maybe I should apply some of that discipline to games. I feel like games are where I allow myself to be a shitty baby. Uh, all sure, the time, totally. whereas like <laughs> with MMA training and and nine one one stuff and and sort of work at like my job, I feel like I I have a relative amount of structure and discipline when it comes to games, and I'm like, I don't like this. This sucks, and it's just like a whole ridiculous thing. But there was a game this year that uh, that helped me in some ways get through that. Um, I definitely had the sort of more Hollow Knight side of your experience, Natalie, with Into mm-hmm. the Breach, which mm. confounded me for, like, a good 15 hours. Like, I couldn't get past the first island for my first, like, 15 hours in that game. I just could not play that game. As baby tactics gamer, which I was, <laughs> and now I'm toddler t- tactics gamer after 512 hours, I think, is what I <laughs> have now in Into the Breach. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, I sort of had that that moment where it clicked, and I wrote a little piece about this, you know, months and months ago about like thinking about it like triage, like all the problems mm. on the board are like triage, and like oh, it clicked and it made sense, and then I fell into a deep hole, and I got every single achievement, and I'm still playing it nonstop. I can't, cannot stop, cannot stop playing this game.
3: That's awesome. Uh, and one That's... thing about
1: it was Cesaccato. Sorry.
2: No, go ahead.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, it's, it's all right. You know, thought you had a an interjection. Um, <clears throat> I can't stop playing it, and it also does come down to things like, talking about XCOM 2, the UI in Into the Breach is so readable, and so wonderful, and you actually have all the information you need to make decisions, so even though it is actually a pretty punishing game in a lot of ways, I still hate Permadeath, and I still just sort of deal with it in this game, even though I don't like it as a general mechanic, it just makes me a little bit angry. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm getting to a place where I'm not angry anymore. I'm just like, wasn't the run? All right. Let's do another 27 today. That's fine.
3: Nice. Yeah, it's the just... wasn't the run. Is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Become a <laughs> mantra of sorts. It just <laughs> wasn't
2: the run. You'll find the run. It wasn't the run. The eternal search for the run.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Rob, how about you? Um.
4: Have this
1: beautiful problem with games sometimes.
4: To an extent. Like, my move is more... I need to turn this into be, into the like vegetables I need to eat before I get to do any of the things I want to do with my life. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. nope, can't play anything else until I've completed and uninstalled this game. So, <laughs> here we go. And then, like, uh, next thing you know, I'm not actually playing games at all. And instead, I'm binging, like... I don't know what the fuck, some, like, burn notice or something like that. So I'm just a complete piece of shit. Uh, Anyway, uh, but I I think I do sometimes... What really tickles me is when I get the sense that, like, oh, wait, there's a trick. Like, when I start to feel, like, understanding starting to form and, like... Realizing that there's an entire entirely different way of approaching the problem that I'm having that I just hadn't considered before, or someone gives me like you know a hint as to a different way of going about things, and then I will really try to um, master that new that that new approach. Uh, so like right now, I am struggling mightily to learn the Skaven army in Warhammer Two. Uh, which are, like... And I've been just crashing and burning uh, on the stream. <laughs> also, it's tough to learn a game on stream because you're not processing yeah. details right. as much. Like, I'm not. Like, I am making... I am overlooking things that I yeah. wouldn't, playing For by sure. myself. Yeah, totally. And so it's just, like, I'm still learning, but I'm also forgetting half the checks I need to be making with each move. Um, Definitely. leaves me down a, down a dark path. But the Skaven... <laughs> aren't like a lot of the armies that were in warhammer one where you'd sort of line them up and push them at the enemy army and you know provided you had a good general like morale held like you would eventually grind through the the enemy side and that's kind of how a lot of total war games work the skaven are cowardly little rat men who (laughs) uh strike from the shadows uh like aren't going to tough things out very long they're very clever but they're wimps. And, like, in a stand-up fight, they're going to get shredded by most other uh, factions. Mm -hmm. So how do you play an army? Like, Warhammer is about winning battles between armies. How do you play an army that can't do that? Like, how do you become a good commander of an army that fails on pretty much every category of, like, what a total war army is supposed to do? I don't quite have the answer yet. Um, There's a few things they can do. Uh, They can spawn little, like, uh, like rats will burrow from the surface from from the surface of the battlefield, so you can spawn them behind the enemy. Uh, you also just have a shit ton of rats that you can uh, you can control. <laughs> it's so, like, New
1: York, the game, power yes. numbers. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's very much like uh, you know rat plague stuff. Um, and Ooh. so, like, you realize that like a realization I had the other day playing was you can just sort of flow around wherever the enemy isn't. And sort of envelop them in any direction because you're, like, basically your army is like water. It just mm. washes over the battlefield. And you can do a lot with that uh, if you are willing to change how you think and th- change how a battle is supposed to unfold. But it is so hard to stay in that mindset. It is so hard not to return to that like, okay, things are going well. Now I should slug it out. Now I should return to the things I'm comfortable doing and like abandon the more cognitively demanding task that's brought me to the cusp of victory. Um, <laughs> that is a tough thing for me to resist because, like I want to return to my comfort zone. But this is an army that like, if I'm in my comfort zone, I am playing like shit. I need mm-hmm. to be right. I need to be deeply uncomfortable. I need to feel like vulnerable, and like things are always a little half out of control. And then I'll be doing well. Yeah. Wow.
1: But it sounds like you're up for the challenge on this one. Sounds like you're you're in it to win it a little bit more than just, like, saying, fuck this. I hate these rats.
4: Yeah, because there's a logic that I can identify to yeah. it. Like, I can see, like, I am trying new things, and I'm having some results, and that is rewarding. But also, there have been a couple moments where I'm just like, is the secret here just to have it, like... Ridiculous numerical advantage, and just like let that do the work for you because that's not interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. Like when that understanding is improving, when I continue to see how applying new ideas is generating like exciting new results, I'm into it. But the minute it starts to feel a little bit like, oh, this is just a stacked deck, and the way around it is to basically brute force it. Um, then I stopped seeing as much value in persisting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about I get, right. <laughs> I get I get that with the, like, some of the advice I've been given with some of these bosses is just to face tank, and that's just, <laughs> like, so not what I want to do. Like, I want to win these fights because I am the better fighter, not because I'm, like, tanking so hard that I can just take all the... the the blows that i'm getting dealt so i yeah i i identify with that a lot of just like wanting to find the logic rather than just kind of like just pushing yourself through yeah Yeah.
1: Uh. (laughs) (laughs) it makes a lot of sense i've been trying to like have a more of a zen mentality in all the things i'm learning um because of course my uh my Grappling instructor gave me a book that was, like, it was just basically the thesis of the book being, like, find happiness in the practice of something that you love and, like, know that you're going to be in plateaus most of your life when you're learning something new. Like, there are going to be those brief moments that feel amazing where you're, like, making progress and you're just like, holy shit, I, I figured something out and it feels so good and it feels amazing and then just, like, know that, like, oh, it's most of your life in any discipline, in any practice, is going to be a plateau. And sometimes you're going to lose stuff, and that's going to suck so much. But, like, learn to appreciate the practice and, like, the small steps. And this all sounds very zen for the, the gaming baby, but uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying. I'm trying to grow up. I'm trying to grow on up, <laughs> take a little bit of that advice. Um you know, worked for Into the Breach. We'll see if it works for anything else ever uh, in the universe. But. Zen
4: and the art of mech maintenance.
1: Yes, exactly.
4: <laughs> but That'll
1: it, be out one day. It's Rob, go ahead. A problem yeah.
4: though, isn't it? Where sometimes it feels like there's a right way to do, like that there are a yeah. couple ways to arrive at a solution, but there's a right, like there's the right way or like the elegant way that you could have learned to do it, and then there's like the the tanky way or the, just the brute forcey way that you could have done it, and then it feels like you didn't really earn the win. You know what mm, I mean? Like, yeah. it, it like that's where I start to really struggle is when I like I will block my own progress sometimes because I'm like, no, like, okay, so this was like BattleTech. There's this mission, Smithen. We talk about it all the time on this fucking podcast, on the streams, <laughs> on, on the Twitter sphere. Uh, Smithen is like the hell mission of BattleTech. It's not that bad unless you want to get like the flawless victory. Mm-hmm. But the fact that flawless victory is out there, it's like, well, no, there's got to be like there is a way to approach this mission like a surgeon's scalpel and just, like, cleanly, like, achieve the objectives, don't take casualties, the flawless victory. And I lost my mind playing this fucking game. Because, <laughs> oh. like, I refi- Like, there were so many times... Like, And you, you make this choice repeatedly during the mission. There are so many, like, moments, like, branching moments where you're like, I'm either going to try for the perfect win here... Or I'm going to shit-can that right now and just play the percentages and, you know, brute force this. And time and again, I'd be like, I'm in a good position. I think this is the one. I think this is where I can get that flawless win. Here we go. And it would all go to shit. And so I probably spent, of the, like, 92 hours I've spent on Battletech this year, um, I would say, like, 8 or 9 of those. Maybe 10. were smithing. Just trying, like, trying at two early stage in the game. (laughs) To get this victory, because it wasn't just that I wanted, the, I wanted the achievement. Fuck the achievement. That like flawless victory said to me, there was something I was missing. There was a trick. There was a solution that like design, designers wanted me to see, and I wasn't seeing it.
3: Yeah, I had that exact experience when I cheesed a boss fight Jeez. in this game. Oh, no. In Hollow Knight. <laughs> and... I still think about it and I regret it actually. (laughs) It does haunt me. It does haunt me because there was something that I, I, there was like a way to beat, like this boss was designed to be beat in a way. And like, although the game, the thing that I have to remember and the thing that I have to remind myself is the game allowed me to do this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this was also built into the game. Like, it well. wasn't the most elegant. Well, I mean, I didn't, like, break anything. I was wondering,
2: what kind of cheese is it?
3: I basically had, like, um, I, like, tucked myself away in a corner where I couldn't be hit in, a, like, a top right oh, corner. There you go. And I had the this charm uh, equipped that had, uh, that gave me, like, these little mini friends that would go and fight the boss for me.
4: Mini? And so I just
3: tucked <laughs> myself away, and then they would... Take the boss down to like when it opens its weak point, and then I would slash, I would slash, and then go run away again. And so it wasn't like it was definitely cheesing the boss, like. I don't but know, I, that I, just
2: I sounds like a sound strategy, you know? Yeah, Put yourself in
3: harm's tip. way. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, the game allowed me to do that. Like I wasn't breaking it in any sort of way, so I have to like remind myself that if the game. Like, let me do it. It's okay that I did it. Right. Like, I I don't need... I am, like, totally a perfectionist when it comes to games. And I want, like, all of the achievements. I want all of the collectibles. I want to do... I want the 100%. I want the three stars, whatever it is. Um, But I think that that limits me in just getting games done and being able to be like, I'm done. I can now go do another game. I think that's why, I, it, like, I'm trying <laughs> to play more games and I shouldn't, I'm trying not to, like, uh, create more obstacles for myself in in getting games done, I guess. See, now,
2: what's interesting to me is, like, I wouldn't define that as a cheese almost because, I mean, this ledge wasn't, you didn't, like, out of bounds into it or no. anything like that, right? No. Like, to me, cheese all, all, almost always meant something that was, like, not quite. Broken, but definitely some sort of exploit. Like this feels like you use the mechanics that were in the game to do something that you did could you have been miss in the, the part
4: like... where she went to a place that was really hard for the thing she was fighting to reach? Right, though. But the, like
2: the, they put the thing there. Like that ledge was put there, maybe so that this strategy was viable. I you know, so we don't we I, don't know how why ask... they designed that ledge to be there. <laughs> but if it's there, yeah, use it to your advantage, right? Like, yeah,
3: definitely. Like
2: in Destiny, there's like this. There were these cheeses back in Destiny One where you could knock a boss off of a ledge and kill it in the middle of a raid. And, like, that's a cheese because you're not supposed to be able to kill the boss. Like, you totally bypass all of the mechanics of that fight otherwise. And it's, like, it was a bug that they fixed. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. So, like, that was a cheese. This feels like maybe something that feels cheesy, but in... I, I don't felt know, cheesy to... doing it. Yeah. I felt
4: like a <laughs> fucking cornball. That's ball.
1: the true te- The gut test, right? Right, like, yeah. Do did you, you feel, feel cheesy like it about it? it was a cheese...
4: Wait, wait. <laughs> Kato, isn't what you're, like, what well, you're describing, though, like, that's an exploit. Right? Like, it is, yes, it is a cheesy it's a cheesy thing to do. I right. think cheese is a broad category. This is like the sauce. That's thing. true, I guess. But, like, cheese mm-hmm. right, category. Here we go. Tell me about but, like, cheese, Rob. Give me that <laughs> <dish course>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the discourse. Fuck. <laughs>
1: uh,
4: point is... What is it a cheese? Uh, that was Vault of Glass, right? Where you could just sort of punt yep. the uh, punt the Yeah, guy you into used to be able Yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah. so that's definitely, like, that was the game not remotely working as as intended. That's, like, a a glitch uh, in the game. I definitely think, like, cheese is still, still, yes, it is legal within the game, but it is, like, I've always sort of associated it as, like, the most, like, abusive of mechanics and position possible, like... And nothing against it. Like, I have definitely... Outlasted I don't mean- a lot of boss fights by going into like tiny little places where they they couldn't fit in the <laughs> geometry and just like right. unloading on them, totally <laughs> fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not sitting around. I'm not justifying to myself that like, well, you know, really, the designers wanted me to do that. Well, <laughs> may-
2: I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> I, for I mean, for depends on the game, right? Like I, for me in Hollow Knight, something about the the level design feels so. Um, what I'm the, what's the word I'm looking for? Deliberate. Uh, mm. Like it's very mm-hmm. simple, right? There isn't a lot of nooks and crannies unless they put them there on purpose. That's my idea. It's specifically speaking to that moment where you found a ledge in a boss area that you could. It hide wasn't behind. a ledge. Was I a, was just
3: hanging onto the wall for dear life. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I wasn't even stagnant. I was like desperately climbing towards the top <laughs> corner and just wall See, jumping my you way. See, no, know, this is very way. different, right? Yeah. So
2: you're wall jumping in this case. Like that's like a mechanic in the game yeah. that you can use to avoid enemies. True. That's totally That sounds weird. hard. Yeah, exactly.
3: Hard. That's what I am going to say. It was also. definitely demanding.
2: Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. It's less less <laughs> cheesy. I don't know. For it me like
3: it all a speed strat, you know. Yeah. Earned there you it. go. <laughs> all right. You know what? I got the speed strat achievement. The earned it not too cheesy achievement, not too cheesy so I'm good hey, just a little bit I guess yeah some
2: God, I so of cheddar.
4: badly want a show about like people beating really hard levels or bosses and it's like nailed it but with like game designers like <laughs> talking to like the shittiest players possible like I badly want that now <laughs> that is
3: extreme i feel like that's me playing bloodborne with (laughs) daniel and austin looking on like them being like just just dodge through dodge through and i'm like dodge side (laughs) like (laughs) you're like to
1: be clear you're doing great and a lot better than i did with 90 percent of that game so don't it's not you it's not you being the worst player we gotta find like I don't know, my dad or something. <laughs> he's like never played a video game, like, and he's just like, what "The fuck is this? What's this?" You know, Like, just what? To... two sticks? What? Yeah. Back That's in scary. my day, we only oh, had no! one joystick. Yeah, I, I imagine maybe my dad would like figure it out, and he would he would so be the guy who like finds one game, and maybe it's into the breach. I don't know. I'm just saying, maybe I'll do my dad <laughs> or something, and like play ten thousand hours of it, and be like, "Oh, played two hours of that today. You know, It was cool.
3: It was good." <laughs> it could happen. It could happen.
1: You know. It I'd love happen. to see that. <laughs> I actually kind of would, too. Like, I don't know. Well, maybe we're pitching uh, series ideas here now at this <laughs> yeah. point, which is, like, too hot for TV. Um, so if there's nothing else on this particular topic, I think we should take a quick break and then move into our question bucket. We have one very meaty question today. And I think uh, we can all take a moment, take a breath, and get ready for the, the, the good churn in the question bucket today. So we will be right
0: The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
1: And we're back. Wow, that was a good break. We had a mm, nice I feel uh, so head rested.
2: Nap. Yeah. And we an totally ice cream. ate those salads that we have sitting Yeah, you not, totally ate those salads that you grabbed.
1: <laughs> 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 all right. Well, one question today, and there's a lot here. I think there's kind of like three sub questions here. Um, This one comes from Spencer in Michigan, uh, who says they are currently enrolled at a moderately successful Midwestern university for game development uh, and have come across a situation where your advice would come in handy. I'm only just beginning my second year at uni, and I've started to see a pattern of thinking emerge from the professors who teach classes specific to my major. Uh, My concern is that they're promoting unhealthy behavior regarding labor and the expectations surrounding it. Uh, for an example, it's expected for all students a part of the art-specific courses to maintain two separate portfolios, one filled with school-related work and the second filled with non-school-related work. While the second school non-school-related portfolio cannot actually be graded, there's stronger encouragement placed on that portfolio to be shared and looked at by professors, or else it's implied that your chances of getting an entry-level position post-college will be drastically lowered and be virtually non-existent. This is an understandable attitude to have, as most professors that teach at my university come uh, from a primarily independent or freelance-slash-contract-work background, with the understanding that if you don't work uh, self-imposed 80-hour weeks and take every job that comes across your desk, you won't have enough money to pay your bills. However, as knowledge about the development process is still relatively shrouded in secrecy, it's easy for newer students like myself to adopt this kind of mindset, which can lead to much-maligned developer burnout and have us uh, leave the industry when we hit our thirties aside here as an editor, that's obviously something we've written about quite a bit at waypoint, which also flagged to me, this is a very waypoint question back to the letter as professors. I think they have the ability to promote a positive uh, change in mindset while showing that working yourself to death, might be the norm currently, it doesn't have to be forever. This is something I'd love to have a constructive talk with them about and eventually, uh, but with only a year of school experience under my belt, I have absolutely no reason to believe they would even uh, take a thought of mine seriously. I guess my question is, how have you dealt with talking to higher-ups who don't take the opinion of someone in your position seriously? So we've got a few things here. Uh, Spencer, thanks for writing in. Uh sounds like one of the main questions, especially towards the end here, is about just being new. At something, uh, you know, only have one year of school feeling like, you know, uh, I don't know how old Spencer is, but if Spencer went right to college after high school, they might only be 18 or 19 years old. They're just going mm-hmm. into their second year. So feeling very young and feeling like, how do I talk to my 40 something professor who's, you know, been in the industry and knows what they're talking about and have them take me in my concerns seriously? And another question being, of course, just being. I think rightfully worried about labor practices in the game industry, which we've written about a lot. It can be really rough out there. Crunch is still a massive, massive problem. Crunch being of course, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, uh, the practice of working really ridiculous hours, especially somewhat towards the end of a project, 80, 90 plus hour weeks to just kind of get it done, to just sort of get through the last uh, stage of development. Although some places have crunched for months and months and months on end. And we've heard those kind of horror stories. So I guess we should address uh, that first question first, Uh, and it might be the more difficult one of sort of how do you, you know, talk to industry professionals about not wanting to necessarily kill yourself with work and have something like a healthy work-life balance when, you know, you're just this young person who they're just going to look at like you don't know what's up. You don't you don't have anything going on there. I'll open the floor, I suppose.
2: That's um, that's really rough. (laughs)
1: yeah <laughs> especially in
2: the context of so they mentioned these two portfolios that they have which I found really odd um i went to an art undergraduate program and the idea of separating uh your work into something that can be counted as work for the school and counted as not is already a very strange thing and like it just it like tells me that this institution really really is set up as like there seems to be some momentum with the idea that this is just how the industry is and it will never change right like and with that much like with that much baked into like the institution as it is it's kind of difficult to be like you know just talk to them right like take maybe (laughs) take some articles like that's what that's what my advice would be from like like it would be like right like if you think you know what you're talking about and you have like sources or something like, see if you can have a conversation where you like bring these things up in like a just a matter of fact way. Like, hey, I've been reading about this in the industry at large because I'm like, even though I'm still studying to learn the craft, I'm like in tune maybe with because I keep up with the news with what's happening in the industry at large. Like, what do you think about these issues? Like, how do you think our institution is dealing with them? Mm-hmm. But like when <laughs> when it's so ingrained, it can be daunting for sure to think yeah. like. Is this even, like, are they just going to laugh me out of the room, right? Like, is this going to make any sort of dent? But, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes the only thing to do is to tr- to try, right? Um, but that that is very strange to me. Just, like, in when I was in art school, every piece that you made, whether or not you ended up showing it uh, in class, was definitely meant to be, you know, a building block in, like, your overall portfolio and, like, at the yeah. end of the year... When the, we would do portfolio reviews, you would look at everything. And that's because art, specifically, is super time-consuming already. <laughs> like, it felt like, as an art student, you were... The the joke we made as art students when we would see um, all the, like, quote-unquote regular students, like out partying and stuff in, like, the other colleges. Because I went to Baltimore. It's a college town. We see lots of college kids from yeah. other places around. And, like, you notice, like, oh, there goes all the college kids. Like, we can see them from our studio windows as we, like, peer out in the night, like, <laughs> you know, on hour eight of, like, fucking finishing this goddamn drawing that I still haven't, like, <laughs> you know, got to get the shading right, got to, you know, or whatever. Um, the Um It's, like, even though, like, people think, like, you know, art is easier because you enjoy it it ends up taking a lot more time depending on I mean I don't know this can be different depending on what you're studying but like it it always felt like time um, wasn't ever um, people thought we had an easier time of it but we were spending more time in the studio than most of them like were like in the library right like I don't know something about yeah that difference was uh like we like we were like always quote unquote we were like always crunching like right mm-hmm. but like yeah. fine art is like the idea is like you're gonna be work to the bone and be a starving artist so it doesn't matter right <sighs> you're doing it because it's your passion that is, there's that word that you see a lot in these arguments about crunch passion. right passion yeah it's like Wrong no we would still so. like to like exist as regular people you know <laughs> like like a um, human being with needs. yeah exactly exactly <laughs>
3: Yeah.
1: Rob, it sounds like he had something too. Oh, sorry.
3: No, no, no. Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, I think the, yeah, the place to start this conversation is to literally figure out what's up with these two portfolios. Like this yeah. is this is the part I stumbled over is that like the thing that I interpreted it as being is like portfolio A is like for direct like coursework assignments that like is dealing with aspects of the craft that you are directly being Instructed on, and these are being submitted for grades. And then portfolio B is, I guess, just for whatever the spirit moves you to create. Uh, you know, your your own what you call like your your hobbyist art. I that's the only uh, framework I can really think of for this. In which case, it would make sense that you'd be encouraged to submit everything, just so it all gets looked at and you get feedback on all of it. But I don't right. know. Like, I'm not sure. I think it is important when you have these conversations to first understand what is the logic uh, that has led to the status quo. Uh, Like, what is, is this abusive? Is it exploitative? Does it have an agenda to, like, teach me to treat everything as, like, uh, you know, commodified labor? Or is it actually, like, less sinister than that, right? Like, is it literally just separating coursework from uh, your general development as an artist? I don't know, but that's an, important, like, that's an important thing to clarify up front uh, because that sort of determines the ground on which you're going to be debating this with your professors. Uh, but don't, like, the very, <laughs> the, the, the thing you don't want, especially as a second year, the thing you don't want to do is, like, run in half-cocked having jumped to conclusions about stuff and not yeah, really right. be cognizant of, what the professors are trying to accomplish—that's that's my word of caution here.
1: So my advice to Spencer would be to definitely, if you have a professor that you actually trust and actually get along with pretty well, and can feel comfortable asking questions too, I would frame it like a question. I wouldn't take like evidence about the game industry necessarily. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't treat it like a court case. I would say more like, hey, I've been reading some things, and I'm I'm a little concerned. Or, you know, just like, can you tell me a little bit about what it's like? Like, ask ask questions and frame it a, in those terms. Uh, but I, I certainly think you have a right to be worried about this. I mean, I've, I've taught game design many times uh, at various sort of Boston-area universities. And a lot of times I have students who come in very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, uh, you know, kind of go in thinking like, I'm going to be the next indie sensation or like I'm going to go and be a designer at a AAA studio right away. And there is definitely a dance that kind of has to happen where it's like, I want you to know (laughs) going in that there's a lot of really difficult things going on in this industry. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't be an agent of change because you, of course, you should be an agent of change. You should, if you want to go into this, if you love it and you care about it and you want to make it better, you should do those things. But you should be prepared as well. You should know what it's like so you know what needs to be changed. Um, you know, I'd, I'd frame it in those, in those terms. I would also sort of, uh, be involved in the sort of unionization efforts, especially if you are a young student and you're interested in sort of taking your young energy and bringing it towards being an agent of change and bringing it towards trying to make things better in your little corner of the universe. I would definitely go to Game Workers United and take a look at what they're doing there and see if there's an effort you can be a part of in your city or in your community. Um, that's the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed answer. There's also the, the side of this that is really difficult. I have absolutely been the young person who never felt they could say no to things and felt like, oh, no, I have to work 95 hours because that's what's expected of me. And I want to show everybody that I'm a hard worker and then gotten super burned out and super depressed and was not the best worker and was at working at 20 percent of my actual energy for a while. So that's really something to be aware of. That's something to genuinely know what your limits are, uh, and understand that you're still a human being with rights and you're still a human being who has needs and you have to pay attention to those. It's best to learn what those are when you're young so you can kind of learn coping mechanisms to deal with things that are unpleasant and difficult and also to know when to stand up for yourself and when it's like, no, this this sucks. I need to like assert myself in a non-aggressive but also not a passive way. So there's a lot of this, I think, that might be tied up in being young and being new to the industry, which is very difficult to navigate. So I have a lot of sympathy for Spencer here.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, yeah, I guess from everything that y'all have said, like, the best thing you can do is find someone in a position of power or someone like someone older than you someone in the administration that you can trust and like have that sort of candid but you know uh respectful conversation with um my high school was very much sort of like this is the crunch you have to do to get into the Ivy mm-hmm. League that everyone expects you to go to uh and it was always told to us like you will you will go through hell and then you know college will be a breeze and like That it'll or or college, even though it's hard, you'll be used to it by then. Um, So this is preparing you for college. And time and time again, we'd hear from like older girls um, that they had you know taken a semester off, like a couple years into college, or had like had had to like take time off and for because they were burning out. And that happened to me. I had to take uh, some time off from college because I burned out really hard and. Mm -hmm. We, like, came back to – like, one of the things that we did was, like, come back to the school as alumni and say, um, you know – we've we've we had like candid conversations with the teachers or, or with the seniors and with some of the faculty members that you know we've we've just gone to the other side and this is what it's like and this is how your preparation for this has negatively impacted us and like we've been able to make some changes in the way that my school operates to better the the life of um the 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 girls who go there now so uh, it's still a hellscape and it hasn't changed very much. But at least like seniors know that they can like reach out to alumni or that they can. And like for me, when I was burning out during uh, undergrad, like my advisor was like the number one person who like could. I was lucky enough to to have been immediately matched with an advisor that I like trusted and that, like believed me and believed all the things that I was telling her were true and were real and that was, like, one of the biggest blessings I could have ever asked for in, in an undergrad experience is to just have someone in a position of power that trusted me and, like, believed the things that I was telling her and, like, validated my concerns. So I think yeah. having that someone to look up to or someone above you to talk to is, like, invaluable in, in these situations for sure. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Can we just all agree that as a society, we should be okay with people taking breaks or taking a gap year between high school and college? Because that seems like such a big, it seems like there's like, I don't know if there's actually a stigma. But as a high school, I remember feeling like if you don't get into college this year, like your life is ruined, right? If you're not going when you're 18, like, that's it, you're done, like, good luck with whatever else you're gonna do with your life. It's nothing you you have no life. Um, but it's yeah. realistic. Sometimes, if you go through a particularly harrowing okay. high school experience, like it would, it, it's totally okay to be a quote unquote a year behind. You're not really a year behind anyone. Like it's okay. You can take breaks, especially if you're and if you're already in school. A lot of institutions have leave of absence rules and things like that in place. And if you feel like you're burning out, take a break. Yeah, it's okay. That one year is not gonna. Change anything really, like or whatever semester. <laughs> Definitely, yeah.
4: I might like have any flashbacks to uh, my first senior year in college. Like it was, I went back and I knew I had nothing left in the tank. Like <laughs> day yeah. one of classes, it's a bad it was feeling, like,
3: my friend. And it yeah. was
4: profound. Like it was the most like I have never known anything with such certainty that I like just didn't have it anymore. Like I just I couldn't engage. And the problem is I had so many voices in my head, like people exactly, I went to school not that different from Natalie's in some ways, which is like, as a way to control you, as a way to get you to toe the line, they tell you all these things about like, look, if you can't hack it in this system, that is a flaw with you, not the system. And so you need to fucking like knuckle down and get this shit done. And so I did for a number of years in college. And then my senior year, I just, I couldn't, but I'd also lost the ability to talk to anyone about that, mm. uh, except bartenders, mm. it turned out. Um, so <laughs> like, the best
3: therapist.
4: Yeah. And so I spent like, uh, like a semester just absolutely flailing and for all the world, it looked like I just entered like complete animal house slacker, uh, you know, phase of my life. But really I was just like, I can't, I am non-functional. Like I am sitting down to do work, and it's just it's all passing like right right through me um yeah, and if I'd taken a gap year, I probably would have done what I did the next year uh, at the cost of an extra round of student loans, which was complete my thesis and graduate suma like it like i I had the- sh- I had the stuff right, but <laughs> I needed six months to not be doing this shit, yeah. and there was nobody around who was going to be like you know what, you burned out, like, it's fine, we have processes, we have processes for this, like, we can make it so you can, like, take a break and, like, no harm, no foul. Instead, what I had people telling me was, like, hey, get this shit done. Like, stop fucking around. Get get your ass, you know, (laughs) get your ass back in the library. God damn. No way.
3: God. Not great.
1: It's, It's really bad that we've designed this world that is not good for humans, it's, there's only humans.
2: <laughs> made by humans you know, like, not for it's, humans. it's only
1: humans who participate in this system right like yeah. there's no aliens who are all here who don't need sleep right wait and, you or, don't know about our
2: secret reptilian overlords that are oh, really shit. pulling all the strings
1: oh no you're not in
2: on this oh my god oh, we have something to oh. talk about after the pot
1: <laughs> i'm in deep cover actually I, oh uh, no. Oh <laughs> But yeah, it's just, it it boggles my mind sometimes how badly we've designed the human world for human beings. Like, I'm just, people need sleep. People need rest. Sometimes they need breaks. Bad shit happens to people. Mental illness happens to people. Divorces and breakups happen to people. All these things happen, and they're real, and people need to be able to deal with them. Uh, And there's no human who has never had a terrible day or a problem that requires having... Some kind of rest or some kind of break. So, but the, the, yeah. the
4: damnest thing with the, the this is the part that drove me like, ab- like I sp- I spin myself in circles around this one. That year, I needed a break. Like I just I hit the wall. I needed to stop. Almost every other time in my life, when I hit that feeling the correct answer was to not stop. That's the, that's the hard part Hmm. is like, how do you give people like, how do you train people to persevere, to overcome setbacks, to, uh, you know, handle, uh, challenges in life that are going to come up throughout your life, handle them without completely getting derailed while also teaching them to properly self care and like set boundaries and achieve like a healthy balance. I don't know, like, that's, that's the trick, that's the problem I haven't been able yeah. to solve. I don't know how you, yeah. because when I start getting too compassionate with myself, mm-hmm. I definitely start to feel like, and maybe this is still those shitty voices in my head, but I definitely start to feel like, you know, really, what I might need to do is just fucking work my ass off for two weeks and just Ugh. stop complaining. <laughs> I don't know. Right. But yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the problem. That's the thing that I, like, that keeps me up nights.
1: I, no, it's, that's real. I mean, that that is absolutely me. I I am absolutely a workaholic and sometimes I do feel better if I'm working my ass off and I'm busy and I'm not sort of dwelling on things. The only answer is a really expensive one and it's therapy <laughs> because it's so <laughs> individualized, yeah. right? Like your own mental health is such an individual thing that like what works for one person really might not work for another person. So it's very hard to generalize this stuff. And the answer to that is to have better mental health resources and better health care in this country. So that- Oh, it all ties in. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, Natalie, I'm sorry. You, no, you totally had something.
3: I, I feel like the places, the the times that I was at the point where I'm, I realized that I was burned out and like was physically unable, like it wasn't, it was no longer like mental obstacles. It was like my body is not able to put any energy into creating output, um, was like yeah. when I couldn't do like small things, like when I couldn't do like the, the, like even one of the readings for class, or I couldn't, you know, do the one re- weekly response, or I couldn't, you know, I was like missing meetings with my teachers and things like that. Like when, when I really started to like hide away and like yeah. not even be able to show up and like, th- had those kind of, like, really dark, like, negative feelings about myself and my ability to do that work is when I kind of realized that, oh, I need to take, you know, a step back or, like, I need to reevaluate. But when... I am doing all the other mm-hmm. things except for the one thing that I need to do, like when I'm procrastinating with other tasks or things like that, then I know that like, oh, at least I have it in me to complete things. Like at least right. I have it in me to get things done and to like to to create output in some way, even if it's, you know, like cleaning my apartment or if it's, you know, uh, 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 I don't know, taking my dry cleaners laundry to the drag cleaners. i don't know whatever <laughs> yeah. whatever the task is that like at when it feels impossible to even do those little things is when i'm like okay there is something like this is larger than just you know not wanting to finish this one you know project right. that's like looming over my yeah. head this is like something inside me that is deeply wrong and needs some attention so and that's like, kind of been my tell
2: the real the real trick yeah. is like figuring out if you can figure out if you can see that coming right yeah. it'd be better if you never got to the point where you physically cannot continue <laughs> yeah. right just like knowing that that's coming is like the actual like trick that we all need to figure out as as a society really just like learning how to teach people to do that in general or just even talking about it you know
1: yeah yes yeah know the self it's not yeah. easy but, uh... <laughs> I don't, but I don't think it's
4: know yourself it's like we don't train institutions or particularly managers to identify mm-hmm. that shit. Like, yeah, that's right. absolutely The other thing we're t- talking around with this question a little bit, we're talking about like find an ally. Find someone you, you're safe talking to about this stuff. Uh, this goes doubly when you're in the corporate world. Knowing who you can actually trust, who's going to have your back, who even knows what the fuck they're doing uh, in their role, um, is really, really Like, that is going to be trickier than you think. It is going to surprise you how hard it is to find a manager who is going to be compassionate, on the ball, uh, and, you know, effective within the institution. Yeah. That's going to be really tricky. And being able to, like, identify those people is really, really tough because they are worth their weight in gold. Most people don't have the ability, and I'm not sure it's easy – it's certainly not easy to teach, but, like, most people don't have the ability – to look at a team and see the um, see the cliff coming, and that's yeah. that's the thing is like it's it is so much to put on a young person in their career. It is so much to put on a student to have the maturity and like um, like strength to be like put their hand up and be like you know what I can't. I'm done. I'm taking a break. Yeah. I'm calling it. I don't have it in me. It, most people in that position will just try to fake it so they don't get yelled at, and just try to get through it. Right. And it is on the people with like responsibility and power in those situations to sort of identify when those situations are brewing and step in In corporate, you know, in corporate America, certainly there's neither policies nor training to really support that.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's rough. It's not great. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I need to go for my manager essentials training soon. uh,
2: (laughs) Perfect. We'll see
1: how that goes. (laughs) But you're you're absolutely right, Rob. This is a systemic issue. This is not just on any individual, uh, of course, uh, to try to solve. It is, it's yeah. got to be on the people in power. Yeah, and that's uh, something with five four as well. So, oh, thank you, Spencer, for writing in. Uh, good luck. Please, uh, all the advice that we've given you here is probably going to be a tall order. But please, <laughs> please, uh, and please good. reach out. See if you if there's somebody. Uh, that will be helpful for you to talk to and uh, try to try to heed all of our old wise wisdom, I suppose. <laughs> also, Spencer could be could be forty five. I have no idea. Spencer right. could this could be a second career. I don't know. I just read it as in like if if Spencer had gone to college relatively soon right. after high school. So uh, with that, take that with a grain of salt. I'm very sorry, Spencer. Really... You're way older than me, and I just talked down to you. Good so. luck. <laughs> Good
2: luck to everyone in going yeah. through college, going through academia. Yes. Best of luck to you all. <laughs> take good breaks luck. if you need them. <laughs> if you can. Take, take if breaks. You hopefully
1: be good you can. to other human beings. Know yes. those
4: leave of absence policies by heart. Yes. 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 Absolutely.
3: <laughs> yes.
1: Know what you can do and, and how to help yourself if you, if you can. and If you can get to that place. Uh, if you have questions, you can send them to gaming@vice.com with the subject question as always, shout outs to Bowen for letting us use his track Miss You off the E.P. Pale Machine. We are on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We're on YouTube at Waypoint Vice. You can read everything that we do at Waypoint.Vice.com. And, of course, we're also on Twitch pretty much every day. Uh, just uh, twitch.tv slash Waypoint, of course. All right, everybody, let's go around uh, our circle. It's not really a circle. It's more of a square. We got like a Brady Bunch situation going on. I love it. <laughs> uh, Natalie, na, 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 na. where can we
3: find you online? Uh, <laughs> at Natalie Watson on Twitter.
1: Awesome. Uh, Kato, where can we find... Oh, we're- we can find Kato at... at uh, Kato appears... I think. Uh, it's that's not
2: a What? At. At A underscore Cato underscore appears. It's not great. I'm sorry. Uh,
1: On Twitter. I almost had it. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's like under. All right. I got it now. All right. Thank you. Uh, Rob, where can we find you all? Uh, Rob Zachney. You can find me if you'd like to follow me at Danielle RI. And I thank you all for being here. Thank you, everybody. This is a new panel for us. This is good. I like this. This is a good vibe. It was fun. A good vibe for the show. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much. And I remind you to be good and be good at it.
4: One semester, Peace. two apps, two incomplete. <laughs> That's my record. Super cool, ah. baby. Wow. All that matters is the score at the end. Oh. Incredible. Incredible. I just survived.
1: Peace. I'm glad you made it out. Peace. Peace. Peace.
4: Peace. Peace.